You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, yoga teacher. Welcome to episode 10. Overcome overwhelm and get focused. This episode is all about how to figure out what actions are most important to focus on and what aspects of your life, maybe some classes or some social media channels, are just extra and you can give yourself a break on them and even maybe let go of some. In this episode, I'm going to share with you my personal process for goal setting and visioning. And I'll also talk about the difference between the two because that's a really key piece of it. Before we jump into that, I do want to thank all of you who have shared this podcast with your friends and your colleagues. I've been getting a lot of emails and requests to join the Facebook group from people who shared that they heard about it from a fellow teacher. And that really means the world to me. I appreciate that so much. It, it's very energizing and uplifting to hear that some of you find this podcast to be helpful enough that you would go out on a limb and share it with somebody else. I know some of you may also have thought about sharing it, but haven't actually done so yet. And I want to make sure that you know how easy it is to do that. If you're listening on iTunes, for example, in the lower right-hand corner, there's three dots that when you click on it, will pull up a menu, one of the options being share this episode. And that will take you to some options for different ways to share. You could send a text message, for example, right from the podcast player. And most of the podcast players are all very similar. So looking for that kind of verbiage, share this episode, maybe some dots, maybe the square with an arrow coming out of it. So that's one easy way that you can share this podcast with somebody who would appreciate it and benefit from it. And to all of you who have already shared it, my sincere thank you. What, how, whatever way you've shared it, of course, is perfect. So on that note, let's dive in to today's topic. And let me get a little bit vulnerable and share with you that my biggest consistent challenge as a yoga teacher has been time management. I've had a lot of big ideas and, and goals that have kind of petered away um, as I get distracted by other things in my life and other things to do. So I think that this is a common challenge for anybody who's self-employed. Being your own boss means being the one who decides what's important. And if you don't have a system for doing that, if you're like me, you can get kind of scattered and feel like you're all over the place. Based on the conversations that I've had with yoga teachers, I've had over 100 conversations with yoga teachers in the last six months, I'm pretty sure that I am not an anomaly on this. This was a common challenge that people described. Many of you told me that you're getting the message that you need to be everywhere, especially on social media, and some of you feel 
overwhelmed by that and even stay off of social media mostly or entirely because you're not sure where to focus. I also heard of people, lots of people, running from class to class, so busy just teaching and and focusing on the next class that they're teaching that they don't feel like they have energy left to put into planning. One thing that I also noticed is that many teachers are not satisfied with the structure of their teaching currently, meaning that they wish that they were teaching more or more people or maybe even had more downtime, more ability to do self-care in their own practice. During my conversations, I had this project of 100 conversations, and I asked similar questions, although not always exactly the same, to over 100 yoga teachers. And one of the questions I would ask, and I would warn them ahead of time that I was going to ask this, was what is your vision for how you want to evolve as a teacher? What's your vision for the future? And even though I had shared that question in advance, it actually stumped a lot of people. And usually they actually really appreciated that moment of being like, wow, I, I'm noticing that I don't have a vision. And now, of course, other people had a really clear vision, um, but maybe not such clarity on how to get there. Whether you do have a vision for where you're going or feel kind of lost on that regard, I believe that a structure around visioning and goal setting can be incredibly helpful and valuable. Let's start by defining terms. Let's talk about the difference between vision and goals. The way that I use the word vision is your big picture concept for your ideal future. Now, the great thing about vision is that it can be blurry, it can be idealistic, it can even be somewhat audacious. It's like the fairy tale that you tell yourself about why you're putting in all the work now. It's the best case scenario, and it's fine if you're not exactly clear about how you can pull it off. So your vision is the biggest, most outrageous version of your future that you dare to dream. Goals, on the other hand, are grounded, realistic, and immediate. They might make you feel nervous, but you should be super clear about how to make them happen and what your next steps are. So in order to cut through the noise and the possibilities and get focused on what your actual next steps are, it's key to be clear about both vision and goals. Because knowing where you're headed in a big picture sense feeds you with energy and inspiration and a specific, immediate understanding of where you're headed next helps you figure out what actual actions to take right now, what actions are high impact, and what might drain you for no reason. Not no reason, but not leading towards that bigger goal. In the past, when I did not have this clarity around the difference between vision goals, I would use the terms interchangeably, and that led to not actually having well-formed goals, which in turn led to feelings of hopelessness and overwhelm and lack of direction. Instead, what I would do is I would create something halfway between a vision and a goal. So not inspiring enough to keep me activated, but not concrete enough to take consistent action on. Understanding the difference between the two helps me to take advantage of the benefits of each one. 
I use my vision to stay inspired and my goals to help me take action and figure out exactly what the most important things on my agenda are. Now I'd like to take you through my process for personalizing your own vision and figuring out your own current goals. I know a lot of people listen to podcasts while they're doing something else, maybe driving or walking or doing dishes. So if you can't stop and actually do this work right now, that is not a problem. You will still benefit just from listening. But it would be great if it's safe to do so to pause this recording, pull out your calendar and schedule some time in to do this. I'm also offering a download, a printable download to my email subscribers. So if you go to the show notes, there'll be a link to give your email address and you'll get a whole guide to walk you through this. And you can pull that out while you're listening or you can do them separately. Either way will work just fine. Whether you have pen and paper out or you've got the printable download ready or you're just going to do this kind of casually in your mind, the first thing I'd like you to contemplate is why you teach yoga. Why not just be a practitioner? What is it about teaching that's really important to you? And feel free to jot down anything and everything that pops into your head around this. For a lot of people, it has to do with sharing yoga, having an impact, helping people. But it might also include something about like right livelihood, you know, making your living doing something that you're passionate about. I also want you to contemplate what the end result is that you're looking for. So if you were at your pinnacle of your teaching career, what would it feel like? Would it feel peaceful? Would it feel exciting? Would it feel like you're being of service? I don't know if there's a feeling that specifically describes that, but I think you know what I'm talking about. I think most yoga teachers know what I'm talking about. So once you've laid the groundwork for understanding your why, the next step is to figure out who. If you're teaching yoga, you are providing a service. And what that means is that in order to do the second step of creating well-formed goals, you need to understand who you are serving and what those people want and need. So ask yourself, who is it that I am uniquely qualified to teach? Often it will be an egoic label that you would apply to yourself. So somebody who either is in the same position that you are or that you were in the past. For example, maybe uh, new moms with postpartum depression or maybe active seniors who secretly feel like they're still in their 20s. You can imagine that for these examples, the people described would be best served by a teacher who truly understands them. Perhaps once you were a new mom and you used yoga to help you cope with your postpartum depression. And bear in mind that your ideal audience is not necessarily the most obvious one. So if the first idea you come up with doesn't feel exciting and uplifting, you can keep digging. And it's okay to make it really general, but I see a lot of people feeling afraid to specialize, and that's not a good reason not to do it. 
I get that we want to share the benefits of yoga with everyone. We don't want to turn anybody away. The thing is, if we don't reach out to specific populations, specific people, then they're not going to find us because they need to be reached out to. And the sad thing is they might never find another teacher that is as perfect for them as you are. In fact, they may never experience the benefits of yoga if you don't reach out to them or perhaps certain benefits, certain growth. Now, that might sound a little dramatic, but there are still many more humans in the world who do not practice yoga than ones who do. There are pervasive myths out there about who can and should practice yoga and who's not the right type. So the more we as yoga teachers get clear on who we're best qualified to help, the more people are likely to benefit from our teaching. Now, if you happen to fit the stereotype of the typical yoga teacher, that doesn't mean that you need to teach the stereotype of the typical yoga student. Being young, thin, and flexible, that's kind of the stereotype, right, is not the only thing that defines you. So you can dive a little deeper to find people who really need you specifically. For example, maybe you struggle with depression or you speak another language fluently, or maybe you've discovered that you're hypermobile and you've learned how to adapt your yoga practice to be more sustainable for the long term for your body. This might not be super obvious right from the get-go. This might be something that you need to work with and play with and contemplate a while, and that is completely fine. I also understand that you might be torn between a few different types of people, and I do challenge you to choose one to start with to focus on. You can always add more in later, but if the goal is reducing overwhelm and getting clear, choosing a population is incredibly powerful for that. Now, some of you who've just started teaching might feel like you're not ready to specialize, and that makes complete sense. It's an awesome idea to teach a bunch of different types of classes to a bunch of different people in a bunch of different spaces as you experiment and figure out who and what you love to teach. I think of that as a very specific time in the development of your teaching. That's more like an extension of teacher training than and and a time to like take things in rather than an expansion time of growing your business. But I do want you to have in the back of your mind that the purpose of this phase is to figure out your path. You can, of course, always pivot or diversify later, but trying to do everything all at once does not usually work out well in the long run and leads to this burnout and overwhelm that we've been talking about. I've also heard people criticize the idea of specializing and comparing it to like hybrid yoga things that are popping up everywhere. So I want to state clearly that I think that's a false analogy. I do not think teaching beer yoga or goat yoga is what I'm talking about. That's not specializing. That's like a gimmick. And it's not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's like a trick. And you need to be very clear about what your purpose is for using that trick to connect with people. Now, I I believe that most of the people who are doing this have a deeper purpose and a deeper understanding of yoga, and they're using this as a way to draw people in and make connections with people, and that's fine. 
but it's not the same as, as having a specialty. Having a specialty is a practice of saucha. So that is the, I think, the second niyama in the Yoga Sutras, in the Eight Limbs of Yoga. It helps us strip away what's extra and focus on the most important elements of our teaching. Even people who don't think they're specializing, they're not doing it consciously, are subconsciously specializing. So they're specializing by the time of day they teach, or they're specializing by the location or the cost of the class, or even the level of physical exertion that is required for each class. So knowing that to some degree we are all specializing, I think it is helpful to do it purposefully, to do it with purpose and to harness that that concept and the power, the clarity that comes from specializing. I've also heard yoga studio owners have a very different perspective in that they really want yoga teachers who are flexible and able to teach a lot of different types of classes. And I think that there's still some overlap that can happen here. You can specialize in your population and still be able to teach a bunch of different types of classes. So this idea of having a specialty, a specific ideal student, this may be something that's really obvious and clear to you, or it may be kind of fuzzy and in the works. And I'd love for you to just pick kind of a working group, a working concept to finish out this visioning portion. The next piece is that once you know who you're primarily focused on serving, you can ask yourself how best to serve them, meaning get into their heads and figure out what top of mind problems will inspire them to take action, such as attending your classes and events. Over time, it is a great idea to do similarly to what I did when I reached out to yoga teachers and had a conversation with 100 yoga teachers. You can reach out to people. You don't have to do 100, but you can have actual conversations with real people. For now, it's plenty to just imagine, because remember, you know these people. You, you know to some degree what they're worried about, what they're struggling with. So ask yourself, what are the problems that they face that yoga can help with? What is the best format for you to help them with these problems? For example, would a retreat setting where they can shut out the noise for a bit and get focused be best? How about a package of ongoing one-on-one sessions where you can guide them in a way that's very personalized and consistent? Or perhaps it's an online format where you can help them no matter their location. And of course, it could definitely be a combination of formats, a combination of days and times and ways to reach them. So with the answers to the above questions in mind, imagine yourself five or 10 years down the road serving your ideal client in the format that works best both for you and for them. And that imagination, that is your vision, at least as it pertains to teaching yoga. So that's the visioning part. And you may have a different way of doing visioning. 
But I hope that was helpful and offered some interesting inquiry for you. And separately, let's talk about goals. Now, your vision hopefully made you feel really inspired to show up in your life like never before. If your vision isn't lighting you up like crazy, then you may want to start over and and maybe even get a mentor or a coach to work with you through the process to see what you're missing because that's really got to be key. You, you, it has to light you up. It has to feel like your purpose. I don't want you to set big goals until your vision feels right. But if it does, then ask yourself, what milestone could you achieve in the next three months that would be in line with and supportive of your vision? And that is a goal because goals are timely and they're immediate. It's important that they're updated and evaluated on a regular basis. I recently learned that humans are only able to really act on goals that are three months or less in the future. I don't know if that is exactly true or if that's exactly true for everybody, but I have found it to be a really helpful benchmark to work with. If you sit down and set goals for yourself that are further than three months away, then chunk them up into three-month sections so that you know you have milestones, you know where you need to be. And in fact, even with the three-month goal, <laughs> you got you to gotta chunk those up too. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So of course, you can choose more than one goal. But again, we're trying to reduce overwhelm. So I think the most powerful choice is to pick one goal that feels doable, but kind of scary. For example, it took me about two months to launch this podcast, and while I did keep working on other projects, for those eight weeks, my launch was my top priority. When I decided to do it, I knew that it was physically very possible to launch in two months, but the entire project felt scary and out of my comfort zone, so I knew it was a good goal for me, and I, you know, I, I did push other things onto the back burner during that time. Many of you have probably heard of the term SMART goals, and this was first coined in the early 1980s by George Doran, Arthur Miller, and James Cunningham in the magazine Management Review, which is all very boring, but it's brilliant. These guidelines for setting goals are so good that they're worth revisiting each time that you set goals. SMART stands for Specific, Measurable, Achievable, Relevant, and timely. Let's run my goal of starting the podcast through these guidelines. My goal was to have four podcast episodes ready and three released on May 21st and to get 100 downloads in the first week. Because I knew exactly what it would look like to be successful, my goal was specific. It was four podcast episodes. It was May 21st. It was 100 downloads. So the intention to have the specific number of downloads made it measurable. I was, I used this, you know, my podcast software to keep track of and measure how many downloads I got. If I didn't achieve my goal, I would be able to know how far off I was. For example, did I get just five downloads or 97 downloads? I actually ended up with 150 downloads 
So I knew that I had not only exceeded my goal, but I knew exactly by how much I had exceeded it. I also already shared above that I believed that the goal was achievable, and I came to that conclusion by reading and listening to a bunch of resources about podcasting. And the consensus was that while each podcast is different, most people can launch within even one month. So I knew that it was achievable. The podcast was also a relevant goal because of the audience I chose. It's a way for me to connect with the people who I love to teach the most, which is yoga teachers and and yoga teachers in training. Finally, it was timely because I set a date that was within the next three months and I created sub-goal deadlines for myself that also had dates attached. Now, I didn't reach all of those sub-goals exactly right, and I did end up launching a week later than I had initially anticipated, but having all of that really clear, detailed description of my goal, I think really contributed to successfully following through, which is not always my my strong suit. Let's talk about sub-goals for a moment. If the goal that you first think of is going to take more than three months to achieve, then you definitely need to give yourself a within three months sub goal and make that, you know, specific, measurable, achievable, achievable, relevant, and timely. And then the weekly and maybe monthly sub goals, those don't necessarily have to have all of those qualities, but I think the more that they do have them, the better. What's that? Um, there's, a, there's a saying I'm thinking of, what gets measured gets managed. I don't know who came up with that, but it's good. It's true. So of course, once you have a bunch of sub goals, that can also feel overwhelming. So this is another reason to stick with one big goal at a time. Now, hopefully, Instead of feeling overwhelmed, hopefully right now at the end of this process or whenever you finish doing this for yourself, make sure to get that download because it, it like really walks you through every single step and has spaces for you to fill in your own stuff. You should feel pretty clear on exactly what your next step is. Maybe a little nervous about pulling it off and that is perfect. That's an awesome place to be. Now that you are clear on your vision and have set a realistic, measurable goal for yourself, when you encounter choices about where to spend your time and energy, ask yourself if each task is essential to meeting your goal. Now, I'm definitely not saying stop paying your bills because they don't relate to your goal. I'm talking about the things you think maybe you should be doing, but you aren't sure. For example, give yourself permission not to post on social media if it isn't related to your goal or producing some other immediate measurable result. Now, if you love posting on social media, I'm definitely not telling you you have to stop if you enjoy it, but give yourself permission. Consider maybe letting go of a class if you feel conflicted about it. You know, if it's not serving your goal, it's not related to your vision, you're allowed to let it go. So I hope that you feel inspired by this process and I hope that it is helpful for you. You can definitely take yourself through it with the free download that is available by signing up for my email list, and you can find that link in the show notes. 
If you're the kind of person who prefers to work through this kind of thing in a group for accountability and perspective, I am working on a small group offering that will include visioning and goal setting in addition to a bunch of other skills around teaching yoga and designing a sustainable yoga business. I will have also in the show notes a link to sign up for a wait list on that because it's not ready yet. I don't have all the details ironed out, but if you want to be the first to find out about it, you can just put your email address in there also. If you're in more of a hurry, I do work with people one-on-one with my private coaching clients. So you can go to teachingyoga.net and click the work with me tab to find out more about that. Whether you end up going through my process or not, I would definitely love to hear what your vision is and then also what your big goals are currently. You can go to the blog post for this episode at teachingyoga.net slash 10 and post in the comments there or even better, post on the private Facebook group for this podcast. That's uh, the Yoga Teacher Resource Community on Facebook. You can find it on my website, teachingyoga.net, and click the Join Our Community button. There will be a post specifically for this episode where you are welcome to chime in and let us know your thoughts, or you're also, of course, welcome to start your own thread and maybe get some feedback if you have questions or just want some other perspectives from members of the group who are all also yoga teachers. That's it for this week. I really hope that this was helpful for you, and please let me know your thoughts Also, if you have a moment, just check to see if you've subscribed to this podcast. If you like to listen and you know that you're going to want to listen most weeks, then clicking that subscribe button on the podcast app, whatever, whatever app you're using, really helps me out, helps more people find me and see me. So thank you guys so much. Have an awesome week and stay in touch.